so I want to just begin, uh, kids, by just talking a little bit about birthday parties, because I know kids' birthday parties are a big thing. Everybody loves birthday parties. My kids just went to a birthday party yesterday. Uh, kids' birthday parties, you go, to, you go to a lot of them, it feels like you're at one every weekend. Uh, but kids, when, when you're at a, a birthday party, you usually do some great fun activity. Maybe you go bowling or laser tag, or you're just hanging out at somebody's house. You do some big fun activity. And then it's time for like the really important part, which is the presents, right? And then you go do the presents, and then you're probably going to sit down and you're going to have cake, right? And when you sit down at the table uh, to have cake, uh, who does everybody want to sit beside? The birthday kid, right? You, everybody wants to sit beside the birthday. They're all trying to get up close and be near the birthday kid because they're the important one. They're the one where all the conversation's happening around. Everybody wants to be around them and then because you feel important, right? You feel important when you're close to the, to the birthday kid. And, and kids, let me tell you something. Uh, adults are not that different. And, and what we're going to see in our passage today is actually exactly the same thing. Jesus, he's invited to a big dinner feast. And, and when he goes to this feast, everybody is trying to be close uh, to the host, who is the most important uh, person. And so if you do have your Bible, you can open it. Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 7 is where we'll be starting. Uh, it's just continuing on from where we were uh, last week, Jesus has been invited over to this feast with Pharisees, lawyers, and others. He's just healed a man on the Sabbath, which made them upset. And Jesus, just because he likes to push people's buttons a little bit, he kind of uh, continues pushing, and he's going he's to uh, push them in a, in a specific way. We'll, we'll see that in a second. Uh, and Jesus tells them a, a parable here that we'll see. So uh, Luke uh, chapter 14, verse uh, 7, uh, you can read it. Uh, with me. The idea here is we'll just work through the passage together, stop, start, and as we go, we'll kind of find our main principle that we think Jesus is teaching from this passage, and then I want to give you five applications uh, to close. So main principle, five applications. Here we go. Sit tight. Now, he, uh, Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. Okay, so we'll just stop there for a second. So Jesus, he's going to, Luke is telling us the reason why Jesus is telling this parable. Again, uh, the, the people were invited uh, to this, this uh, feast at someone's house, and they, he could see that they were choosing the places of honor. And the places of honor, uh, usually what would happen in Jesus' time is they would come, and uh, the seating arrangement would be set up kind of like in a U uh, formation, um, and the, the person who is the host, they would sit at the end of the U, and, and they were kind of considered the, the most important person, the most prestigious person. They're, they're the one who invited everybody, and so you wanted to sit as close to that host as possible, right? So, and, and, and the kind of more dishonorable positions were kind of around the U all the way uh, to the end, and everybody wanted to be there because you felt important. That's where the conversation was happening. You didn't want to be hanging out with the lame people down at the end of the table. You wanted to be where it was, where it was happening, and which is not that uh, kind of different from what happens at a wedding that we might go to, right? A wedding, you have the head table where kind of the most important people sit, and then usually up close to the head table, you've got tables that are for the parents, right? For the very close family, and then you've kind of got, you know, friends a little bit further back, and then you've got kind of acquaintances, and then you've got those people at the very back who are just like, we just had to invite them, right? <laughs> and so if, if you ever end up at the back at a wedding, just know that's why you're there, right? So uh, just so you know. Um, but it, it's not that different. And so uh, here people, you can kind of imagine that they're, they're, they're getting ready to sit down and people are kind of jostling a bit for position. They're trying to put their hand casually on the seat that's close to the host so they're ready to sit down. You know, that Everybody wants to be important. They want to be around uh, the people that are important. And Jesus sees this and that's what prompts uh, this particular parable. And so this is the parable that Jesus uh, tells them uh, in verse 8. 
Uh, Jesus says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say, uh, give your place uh, to this person, and you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. And so the idea here that Jesus is saying is, you, you go to a wedding feast, and you, you think you're kind of important, you kind of, in your pride, presumption, you kind of go sit down in an important place, and the host has to come to you and be like, can you, uh, can you please move, right? And you have to get up awkwardly and do the walk of shame down to the end of the table because there's no seats left, and this is really embarrassing. Right? And Jesus says, okay, don't, don't do that. Don't in your pride think you deserve the best seat. You don't know who else has been invited. And so Jesus gives a contrast. Uh, in verse 10, this is what he says you, sh- you should do. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place uh, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. And so uh, Jesus says, okay, when, when you go to the feast, don't just take the seat you think you deserve, kind of relative to everyone. Don't even take a seat that you think is a little bit lower than what you deserve. Go to the lowest seat, the, the very lowest spot. And you know what? You might, you might deserve it. You might stay there, right? But there, there, it might be that you don't. And the host will come along and he'll say, friend, move, move up higher. Here, you, you deserve uh, better. And so the, the point that we're seeing is not kind of a false humility where you're like, oh yeah, I'll take the lowest seat, but only so I can get the higher one. No. The idea is the, the host is the one who determines the seating arrangement, not the guests. Uh, the host is the one who's going to decide who has the place of honor and who doesn't. And so Jesus closes uh, with the main point uh, from this parable. He says in verse 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so what is the main point that Jesus is trying to make with this parable? What's the main idea that he's trying uh, to teach us? I don't know if you guys remember uh, the show from the 90s called McGee and Me. Has anybody ever watched that show? It's kind of this old Christian cheesy show where there's this kid, I think his name was Nick, maybe? Uh, and he, he was kind of an awkward kid, but he would draw this character, McGee, and he would draw it in his notebook, and McGee would kind of come to life, and then they would interact, and usually he would learn some Christian principle in the course of the, the episode. So I remember one uh, particular episode uh, where they kind of acted out this particular parable. So I think you can see a couple pictures up on the screen of, of McGee. He's there, there's the head table, and there he is walking in shame to the lowest seat. And they kind of acted out the parable at the beginning and then the, the course of the story. Uh, the kid kind of had a, a bunch of pride because he was, he was proud about something. And then eventually he got humbled and he learned, I need to be more humble. So here's my question. Is that the point of this parable? Is the point of this parable just that we need to be uh, careful, that we're, we're not pr- prideful, presumptuous, we just need to be more humble, especially when we go to weddings, you know? If we go to team appreciation next year when it's open seating, we just need to be careful who we sit beside? Is that the point? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't think Jesus was primarily concerned with seating arrangements when he told this parable. I think he had something greater he wanted to tell us. Uh, I mean, there is wisdom in what Jesus said, right? Uh, What you see Jesus say in the parable is really not that different from what was in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 25, it says almost exactly the same thing, what Jesus says here. It says, uh, don't put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here 
than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So again, great wisdom in this. There's probably things we should be careful about, you know, that we, we could just apply to our lives. Okay, are we being presumptuous or being prideful that we think we deserve something when actually we don't and it's going to lead to our, our shame or our humiliation? We should, we should be careful about that. Good wisdom. But I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus' main point of this parable was. And, and here's one of the reasons why. You notice that it's, it's a parable. It's a parable. It's not Jesus teaching. He isn't teaching us, here's five steps to a better wedding feast experience. Right? That's not his point. He's telling us a, a story, and that story has a purpose and a, a meaning. It, it would be like if we took the, the parable of the sower, Right, you know the one with the four soils? You know, there's the, the hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and then the good soil. The good soil produces a lot of fruit, and the other ones, they don't really. And so if we took that, it'd be like taking that parable and saying, man, in the Bible, there is some really excellent gardening advice. Right? Well, look at all this. We just need to make sure we plant in good soil, take out all the rocks, you know, get rid of the thorns. That's not the point of why Jesus told that parable. And just us thinking about where we sit or our own pride or presumption, that's not the main reason why Jesus tells this parable. See, this parable has got practical wisdom, but it's for a spiritual principle. The parable, I think, is really to point us not to how we're to behave at weddings, but how we are to understand ourselves at the ultimate wedding feast. See, the Bible talks often about heaven as this wedding feast, the wedding feast between God and man. And so what we're seeing here in this parable is Jesus painting a picture of, of what does it look like for those who will be in heaven? Uh, what does it look like on the last day of judgment when people who in this life exalt themselves will on the last day be humbled? People who humble themselves now will on the last day be exalted to heaven. I think that is what Jesus is trying to teach us. And in fact, as we look next week, you'll see that's how the Pharisees start to understand this. He talks more about this great wedding feast. And so here's the principle I, I want us to learn, I, I, that I think Jesus is teaching us uh, from this uh, passage. And he, here's the principle. Uh, God will only exalt to heaven those who humble themselves before him. God will only exalt to heaven those who humble themselves before him. Uh, the, the point that we're to understand is that, that those who humble themselves before God will be those who actually are exalted up uh, to heaven. Uh, not just because God's mean, because he's arbitrary, because he's like, oh, only if you humble yourself, then I'll get you to heaven. No, because the people who humble themselves, uh, they're the only ones who can actually receive the mercy that we all need. Here's what I mean. Uh, Jesus tells a parable a, a few chapters later a parable that he actually ends with the exact same line as the parable that, our, uh, uh, that ours ends with. In Luke chapter 18, if you have your Bible, flip over a couple pages, Luke chapter 18. Uh, it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And what you see there is Jesus paint a picture of very similar to what we, we see today, of, of people who thought they were righteous, who thought they were exalted, who thought they had a closeness to God, right? We should understand in this parable, God is the host. We're the people arriving at the feast. They thought they had it all together, yet those were the people who, who, are, who are shamed in the end. And it, it's the ones who seem humble, who seem shamed now will be exalted. So here's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Uh, he, Jesus, also told this parable uh, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with 
uh, contempt. So these are people that they thought they were good. They thought they had it all together before God. They thought, if there's a feast with God, I will be close to God. And the parable, he said, is two men. Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Uh, two, uh, there couldn't be two more opposite people, by the way, in the Jewish mind. Pharisee is like the religious elite. They're the, the people that have obeyed all the rules. Uh, these are the people you look up to in terms of righteousness. The tax collector, man, these guys are the traitors. They're the people who've sold out to Rome, right? They're, they're collecting our taxes, passing it off to Rome, taking a cut for themselves. Uh, these are not the people we want to emulate, right? If you've got a person who's righteous in your mind, it's a Pharisee. An unrighteous Jew, tax collector. And so the Pharisee, uh, standing by himself, uh, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And so the Pharisee, he, he kind of puffs himself up before God. I mean, he thinks he, he comes to God in prayer and says, God, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm so great. Right? I'm thankful that, that I've done all the things you've asked me to do, God. But the tax collector, the tax collector standing far off, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So he, here's a guy who knows he has nothing to offer God. He just comes to God and says, God, I need mercy. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Justified means to be declared righteous. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so here's Jesus' point with this parable. He's saying, okay, the people, the person who you think is most righteous actually turns out is the one who isn't in the end. And the guy who looks the most unrighteous, he's the one who would be declared righteous by God. Why? Because the guy who knows he's not righteous, he's the only one who can see he needs mercy. The Pharisee, he doesn't think he needs mercy because he's got it all together. His life is going good. But the tax collector, he's like, no, I need mercy. That's all I have. And it's, it's the mercy that he needs that actually grants him that, that righteous status before God. Because, because here's the thing, we can really only receive the gift of forgiveness if we know we need it. We can only receive the gift of forgiveness if we know we actually need it. If we think, I'm a good person, then, then why do you need forgiveness? You don't, right? I, I remember uh, talking to people who, who have told me, you know what, David, I, I've done some bad things, but I've done more good than bad, and on the whole, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really know if I need Jesus. I believe that there's a God, but I don't need the forgiveness of, of Jesus because they believe that they have been a good person, which I'm sure in some ways is, is true. But, but that's the point of what Jesus is saying. He's saying those people who think that they are good really fail to see that they actually still need mercy because we all need it. Uh, pride in our lives is a spiritual blindfold. It's a spiritual blindfold for, for, that stops us from seeing our need, from seeing ourselves truly. And Jesus' point with his parable is simply this, 
that, that there is one day going to be, be people who, who think that in heaven they should be close to God. They should have a seat near the host. And they are going to find themselves very far from him. And yet there are going to be those who realize they have nothing. They should be far from God and they are going to be brought up close with him, exalted to heaven. Because the, the gift of forgiveness, it can't be received if your hands are full of your own goodness. Right? If your hands are full of all the things you've done, how can you receive the gift? You need to understand that you, you have a need, that you need to be forgiven. And that takes humility. And that is why the humble will be exalted. So here's our principle again. God will only exalt to heaven those who humble themselves before him. So here's what I want to do. If that's true, and I hope you believe it is true, then how should we live? Five applications. Ready? Here we go. Number one, if it's true that God will only exalt to heaven those who humble themselves before him, then we ought to test our humility towards God by our humility towards others. We should test our humility towards God by our humility towards others. So how do you know? We, we need to be humble before God. How do we know? Well, we can actually see if we've been truly humbled before God by the, the way that we interact with, with other people. If you look in our passage, uh, Jesus, what prompts him to tell this parable? It's people not showing humility. They're choosing the places of honor. He sees that they have pride towards one another and he tells them a parable about how they actually need to be humble before God. Why doesn't he just tell them you need to be more humble towards each other? Because Jesus knows if you're truly humble before God, it will manifest itself in humility towards others. Here's what I mean. Uh, if we have the kind of humility before God that the tax collector had, where we simply come before God and we say, God... I need mercy. God, I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to offer you. The only thing that I bring to the table here is my own sin, and that's the thing that needs to be forgiven. I have nothing. And we realize that all the, the good things that we've done in our life, they're not of us either. All of those are God's grace in us. right? All, all the, the things that God has helped us to do, they're God's goodness. They're his grace that he's given unto us. Even all the talents, abilities that we've been given, where did those come from? From God. God gave them to you. They're a gift. Why do you have a mind that is so smart, intelligent? Because God gave it to you. Why do you, why do you have the situation that you, you have that's allowed you to prosper in the way that you have? It's a gift. Why, why are you able to serve your family in ways that other people can't? It's a gift because God's Holy Spirit is working in you. Right, so when we come to God, we say, God, I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. And all the good things in my life, they're from you. So, if that's true, if we truly brought nothing, and all the good things are a gift from God, then when we go and we're around other people, why would we try and bring honor to ourselves? Why would we try and point people to us? Because we don't have anything. We got nothing in our hands. We, we, we're nothing before God. We just needed mercy and all the good things. They were God's anyways. So why would we try and direct people to us? Why would we try and puff ourselves up? Why would we try and bring honor to us? 
If anything, we should be bringing honor to God for all the good things in our life. See, because if we've been truly humbled before God, then, then we don't need to get praise for ourselves. We don't need to have pride in our own life. Because it's all of God. So to the degree that we really understand and live in the reality that everything we have is a gift. We have nothing that we have not received. To the degree that we understand and live in that is the degree that we will truly be humble before others. So how do you, how do you know if you're truly humble before God? How is your humility towards those around you? When you think about your life now, are there areas of your life where you are trying to draw attention to yourself and honor to yourself? Are you the type of person that is more eager to, to teach than to learn? More eager to, to think better of yourself than better of others? We know if we've been humbled before God by our humility towards others. Application two. Consider more our spiritual needs than our spiritual deeds. Consider more our spiritual needs than our spiritual deeds. I think sometimes what we do, I include myself in that, is that we come to God, even though we understand we need mercy, we still come to God and we feel like we need to present him with our spiritual resume. And we say, God, uh, lately I've been doing very well. I've been reading my Bible more often. I've been coming to church more often. I even shared the gospel with my neighbor. God, I'm doing so great. Aren't you proud of me? Which is a great thing, by the way. If you're doing those things, awesome. Those are good. But here's the thing. We start to, to, to identify ourselves by our our deeds instead of our needs, right? We, we come to God even in prayer and we, we think about what have I been doing for God? How have I been growing? Which again is, is good things. But if we want to truly be humble before God, then we need to remember and focus on our needs. We need to understand who we truly are before God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament uh, one of the things that he said about himself, which always puzzled me for a long time, uh, was this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is what he said. He said, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, uh, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So he calls himself the foremost of sinners. Which is interesting, because you're like, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I don't think the greatest sinner, the worst sinner. Right? He, because he doesn't say, uh, I was the foremost. Right? That would kind of make sense to me. Oh, Paul was the foremost, right? We know that he persecuted uh, Christians. He wanted to lock them up in prison. Uh, he was a persecutor of Christians. He was the foremost. That would kind of make sense to me. He says, I am the foremost. Why does he say that? I think the answer is because Paul, in his mind, he was the greatest sinner that he knew. Yeah, there were other people, there were sins, he could see their, their actions, but he knew his thoughts. He knew his own heart. He knew how prone he was to actually turn away from God in, in, in his own life. 
He can see that more deeply than he could see it on anybody else. He could see the external things in their life. But man, in his own heart, he could see his pride. Man, he could see the way he worshiped created things rather than the creator. And so here's Paul saying, I'm the foremost. I don't think he probably was, but in his mind, he was. He was the foremost of sinner, the greatest sinner that he knew. And if someone has been truly humbled before God, I think they should think the same. You should be the greatest sinner you know. Right? It shouldn't be your, when you think of sinner, it shouldn't be like spouse, brother, sister, <laughs> my, my children, my friend. That, that shouldn't be, it should be like, that's me. Man, I am the greatest sinner I know because I know my thoughts. I know how prone I am to walk away from God, how prone I am to wander from him. And so if, if we are prone towards pride, to not really humbling ourselves before God, the, the greatest remedy to pride is a deep and lasting look at the sinfulness of our sin, the evil of our sin towards God. Because when, when we approach the, the wedding feast of God, kind of like in this parable, uh, uh, we, we come to God and we don't, we don't come and, and sit in the lowest seat of the, the wedding feast because we kind of look at all the other people around us and kind of try and position ourselves. Maybe I'm halfway, I'm better than those people, but not quite as good as those people. We, we come to the wedding feast and we look at the host. We look at Jesus and we say, I can't be near him. There's no way I could sit near him. He's so honorable and so worthy. I would love to, but I can't. I'm nothing compared to him. And so we sit at the lowest seat because we understand ourselves to be the worst of sinners. But in the gospel, Jesus, of course, comes. And he comes and he takes us by the hand and because of his righteousness and not ours, he says, come, friend, move up higher. Come and sit with me. Come and dine with me. And so we are to consider more our spiritual needs and our spiritual deeds if we want to be truly humble. So let me ask you this. Are, are you prone to think more about what you've done for God than where you fall short? Are, are you more prone to weigh the scales and say there, there's been some good things and kind of minimize the areas where you're still struggling? Praise God for the good things. But if we want to be truly humble before God, we must consider our spiritual needs more than our spiritual deeds. Number three, care less for earthly exaltations. Care less for earthly exaltations. Uh, we don't really need to care that much about being exalted here in this world because we know that there's an exaltation for us to come if we're truly humble before God. Our, our tendency, though, is to get caught up in being honored here and now in this world. We're looking for honor from other people. We're looking for the job promotion. Uh, we're looking for the approval of other men or women around us. Right? We're, we're, we're even in our, our marks or our academics. We're, we're looking to be thought well of. We're looking to be put on a stage, to be thanked, to be honored. We want those things. And those things in themselves are not bad. It's okay to sometimes have those things, but here's the thing you need to understand. There's a danger in that. There's a danger in earthly exaltations. Why? Uh, because they can, they can puff us up. They can puff us up and think, make us think we're something when we're actually nothing. 
Right? It, it, it can make us think like the Pharisee, man, I, I've been doing pretty good. I've been tithing. I've been doing that. Everybody around me is saying, I've been doing pretty well. And we forget that I need mercy. I need help. And so we need to care less about these earthly exaltations. If they come, great, awesome. Let's guard ourselves against them. But, but these earthly exaltations, they're nothing compared to the exaltation that's to come to those who are humble before God. Heaven is going to be amazing. Right? The earthly exaltation, it's like breadcrumbs compared to the five-course meal to come. Right? There's nothing. You want to eat this? Fine, go eat it. But like, man, there's a, there's a meal coming. And it is going to be good. And so don't, don't worry about, you know, the promotion you get at your job. Man, there is a promotion to glory that you will one day have. The approval of men and women, it's great. But man, when Jesus comes to you and he looks you in the eye and says, well done, good and faithful servant, that'll feel good. When you get the approval of Christ. So we need to remember, who is the ones who are honored really in God's kingdom? It's not the ones that, that our, our world exalts. Even in the church, it's not usually the ones that we exalt or put up on a pedestal. The people who are honored in, in God's kingdom, it's not going to be the people who are on stage. It's not going to be the people who write books, celebrity pastors. It's not going to be the people that you, you know about on Twitter. You know the people who are going to be exalted in God's kingdom? It's going to be the single moms who give their life to raise up kids to know and love the Lord. I mean, grandfathers who pray without ceasing for their grandchildren. There's me single people who give up everything, family and relationships, so they can serve the church. I people who go and share the gospel with unreached people groups, who give up their, their, their life back home. I mean, pa- pastors in Afghanistan who preach the gospel faithfully, even though they could face death. The people who are exalted in God's kingdom are not people that we've heard of. They're not people who are going to have books written about them. They're going to be people who were humble and faithful. Those are the people that God will exalt. So the question for us is, is are there earthly exaltations? Things that we've been chasing. Things we've been holding on to, hoping in, instead of the exaltation to come, instead of the hope of heaven. Number four. Number four. The fourth application, if it's true that God will only exalt to heaven those who humble themselves before him, then we need to be thankful for the things that keep us humble. Be thankful for the things that keep us humble. Because we want to be humble. We want to be humble before God so that at the proper time, he may exalt us. And, and there are many things in our life that humble us. We're, we're not choosing to be humble, but we are being humbled. Right? It, it could be just simply a rebuke from a close friend. Uh, it could be something that happens at, at work where you're humbled. It could, it could, just, it could be sickness or your, or your age where you're just not able to do what you used to do, and that's humbling. Right? These things can humble us, but we, we should understand that those things that humble us are actually the kind hand of a loving father who is bringing us to see our real need, who is not letting us get puffed up with ourselves. So the worst thing that God could do for us 
is to just let us keep going and think that we are self-sufficient. Instead, what he does is when our pride begins to inflate like a balloon in our heart, he comes along with a thorn and punctures it. So that our, our, our pride shrinks, it swells, and it, and it, and it, and it falls apart. And it's often in those times where we do fall apart, where we're just totally humble. That's the times when we seek God because we're saying, I have nothing. And so I want to tell you a little bit about a time where that happened to me. Uh, I, I had just been, uh, things in life had been going well at this point in my life. Uh, just, just a few months ago, really, where things were going well. Here at the church, at home, things were going well. And in my, my, my own just pride, I started to become self-sufficient. Not, not knowingly, not like really being like, oh, I don't need God. You just, you just kind of start to keep going, right? The, the train kind of keeps moving and you're just kind of doing things on your own and you're, you're maybe praying a little bit less. You're reading your Bible a little bit less. You're just you're relying less on God and, and you start to think well of yourself. And here's what happened. I got sick. Not like super sick, but like I was in bed for a couple days. I couldn't really move. I was in a lot of pain. And, and in that moment, God humbled me because I, I couldn't do anything. I was sitting there. I, hadn't, I couldn't do anything and I, I felt low. But God, he helped me then to remember him in that moment. And so while I was sitting there in my bed and I couldn't do anything, uh, I wrote a poem. Now, I'm not a poet, uh, and I'm going to share a little bit with you, so uh, be ready. Um, <laughs> But I wrote this poem, and I share it with you just simply because I think it helps us understand how in those moments of weakness and humility, God can actually use it to help us hold better onto him, to see our weakness, and to see his work uh, in it. Uh, so I'll read you the poem. It's a little bit long, uh, but it rhymes, so it'll be fine. Oh, that also rhymes. Um, here we go. Uh, it's called, Humble Are the Sick. Uh, when atop my health and wellness, I proudly sit and grin. In my pride, I fail to see that true sickness lies within. Uh, my cheery disposition, it comes not from peace with God. Instead, the circumstance of life provide a, a cheap facade. I was proud and self-reliant. Uh, no help was needed here. I was at the helm of life. And God was in the rear. So God, in goodness and in love, uh, my strength he took away. I fell quite ill, yet wanted still this illness to delay, but God's kind finger oppressed me down uh, in hope my soul might yield to see myself more truly and from true sickness might be healed. The normal things I love to do, I could do no more. My body hurts with aches and pains. It's weak and sick and sore. I lie in bed, can barely move, yet this I do confess, that God, you are my source of strength. You're more and I am less. Thank you, Lord, for these my ills. It truly is of grace. You bring my soul to rest in you. Remind me of my place. God brings us low to help us grow. His spirit sanctifies. Uh, that's how we know he loves us so. His power makes us wise. 
Uh, Who knows what grander purposes or plans may rest in this. Yet now, at last, at least I see, humility is bliss. Find joy in this affliction, soul. Let his great lesson stick. Waste not the grace you've been bestowed, for humble are the sick. So let me ask you, where is God humbling you right now? How has he humbled you? And can you thank him for it? Can you thank him that in this humbling, you are going to turn your eyes more to him than to yourself? Because the good news is that if we are humble before him, he will exalt us. Right? So we have that hope that, that we will be exalted. Even in our sickness that is hard and terrible. Some of you are going through way worse sickness and health problems than I've ever had. You will be exalted. There will be a day when that sickness is no more. When that health problem is, is no more. You will be exalted. Last application. Number five. Exalt the humble king. Just briefly here, how can we be sure that God will actually exalt us? Because it's what happened to Jesus. Jesus came and humbled himself and God exalted him. Uh, Philippians talks about how Jesus humbled himself in the, the form of a baby taking on our human form. But God therefore highly exalted him to bestow upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so if God has highly exalted Jesus, then we should exalt Jesus too, this humble king who came and died for us. That's why we can actually praise him. That's why we can honor him because he came and lived a humble life, the humble life that you and I cannot live. And he came and he died on a cross for all of our our, our pride and rebellion against God. And he came and said, if you trust in me, you trust in my work, that meant you can be righteous. You can have a seat at the wedding feast, not because you're so great, but because I am. Because I've come and died and made a way for you to be with me. So exalt the humble king. We exalt Jesus, the one who is worthy of our worship. He humbled himself being nothing so that we could be saved. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for sending your son, uh, Jesus, into the world. We thank you that you are the highly exalted one, yet you became lowly. You became nothing. You became a servant. You did all that so that you could bring people into this great banquet feast. People who didn't deserve to be there. People who could never get there on their own. You came and you bought us and you sought us out. And so we thank you and we praise you for that. Lord, please help us to humble ourselves before you. Help us to see our need for mercy. And Lord, in that humility, would would we be humble towards others for the sake of your name? Would we point people to you and your work in us, not to ourselves? I pray this uh, in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.